It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on v Here we go. Welcome in. It is Follow the Money on v the sports betting network. Mitch Moss, Polly Howard. We are live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino here on a Thursday morning and a big show lined up today. We'll sprinkle in a little NBA, heavy Major League Baseball today, a preview of the Buffalo Bills coming up in about 45 minutes. We have UFC fights, and I'm really looking forward to the last hour of the show today, Paulie, because uh, Del Gaudio is going to be in studio. He was the GM of Sportsline New Jersey from 1987 to 2013. It was one of the services that you would have to call to get scores back in the day, and I love hearing stories about this because... We touch on this once in a while, and the reaction that we get from people who are probably 35 or 40 years old and older, you remember what it was like watching SportsCenter for a half-hour block in the morning 25 years ago. They would only have it on once, <laughs> or you'd have to plan your afternoon or your night around like 28 and 58 past the hour, or the 10-minute ticker. It was great, so I can't imagine the stories that he's going to have coming up. In a couple of hours, uh, we will start here a little NBA. I'm just, I'm curious. Does the NBA, uh, is it necessary for the league to have a midseason tur- tournament? We found out the news yesterday. It has been passed. We're going to find out more details on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a Final Four set, uh, types tournament out here in Las Vegas for December 7th and the 9th. The Golden Knights are on the road during this time, so you would think it's going to be at the T-Mobile Arena, and they're not going to be around playing games based on their schedule. I just, and look, I mean, I'm not going to compare the NBA to like a, uh, you know, like a perfect 10, a 25-year-old, you know, beautiful-looking young lady 
Um, but it kind of feels like you have that supermodel who at 24 years old says, I'm going to get some work done. It's, it's unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. it, it, doesn't that kind of feel yeah, what it's forced. like? Yeah. No one, no one is clamoring for this. You're no. right. And it, it seems also that the play in games are such a success that now he's like, Oh, well, let's, uh, let's top this too. So, you know, I think silver fooled a lot of people and, and me included, you know, he came in and talked a big, ga- uh, a big game from the get go. And right away on his watch, he had to deal with the Sterling debacle. And that's when he came out hardcore and said, I'm suspending him for life. Right? You think this guy's going to be a hard ass? And, what? and then the guy's been on a milk carton since. And I thought how he handled the John Moran thing was ridiculous. You know, you got Kyrie flicking off fans and cursing at him in playoff games. How do you give a guy, you give him eight games, and then he immediately goes out after going to some counseling and does the exact same thing and embarrasses the league, and he only come down with 25 games. You know, it's like my dad went to rehab and my mom picks him up and he, he says, stop at the liquor store on the way home. That's what it felt like with John Morant. But but this is, you know, you, you talked a big game and I think he's failed to deliver. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt what this is going to look like Saturday because I, I don't I don't know. I'm, but they're, they're come, Victor Wembenyama is going to be there, Trey Young, Edwards. And uh, he's a big soccer fan too. So it's going to be set up like soccer with the group stage and how the teams are placed. But right. what, how about the timing too? It's in, the, it's in early December. Yeah. So does the winner get an automatic spot in the playoffs? I mean, what's the what's the prize other than money? I don't know what this is. And this is really bizarre too to me because stats that are accumulated in the tournament outside of the championship game will count towards the NBA regular season. Like what? You're going to use them on the final four games or, or the tournament, but then the title game they're not going to count. That's weird to me. Yeah. Uh, and also, this is a you know great tweet from Trip to begin the show. How can the NBA have a midseason tournament when they can't get the players to play in the games already on the schedule? Phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, if you if you were listening to this show at all last year on the stretch, I just I threw my hands up. I waved the white flag. I'm like, I you can't. I mean, we're on from four until seven locally here, right? Live when we're doing this show. Some of you get catch it a little bit later on in the day, whatever. But they're giving out bets or handicapping the sport in that three hour window was impossible this year in the NBA. You had no idea who was going to play, no clue. And I would lean towards like most of the guys actually sitting out these games. But I mean, it's just, I, I that's a great question, Trip. It really is. Well, with the awards now, you got to play 65 games. That's yep. just a step in the right direction. And that adds motivation for the player and the organization. And a lot of times the guy wants to play, but it's the organization and the higher up saying, well, you know, don't risk it, especially on a back to back. But I just, this is so early as well. And I don't know. I mean, because remember, John Smoltz has the great idea if he was commissioner of baseball, that you should have a first-half champ and a second-half champ. For example, if the Reds would win the division or have the lead at the All-Star break, they would qualify for a playoff spot. I think that's a great idea, how he wanted to do it, and expand. And they expanded the playoffs anyways. But his his he was going years back about first-half champ, second-half champ, and it should mean something. You know, it'd be more interesting like for a team like the Reds if you'd be in first place at the All-Star break, you get an automatic spot. But that's would they do that here? I don't know. I, I, I can't wait to see this announcement well, about there's... exactly what they're going to do and how is this? How are the fans going to buy it? I think this is important or meaningful. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, so, I mean, Woj broke the news last night, but that's pretty much the only piece of information that we know. The fact that they're going to have a midseason tournament, it's going to be out here in Las Vegas. We know some of the dates, but we don't... I mean, we have no understanding of... 
maybe you're right, Paul. Maybe if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and he comes out on Saturday and the press conference blows people away and it's like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. That to me feels a little unlikely, but... Do you want a playoff spot? You want the winner to get a playoff spot? No, because okay. what happens if that... Think about this. I don't know, yeah. The, the league usually starts around October 15th or 16th. So we're not even going to be two months into the season. We're going to have this play-in tournament. And then at that point, the team who wins it, if they were to get locked into a playoff spot, what happens if they have three injuries in March or April leading into the playoffs? Yeah. And they're suddenly terrible. No, and they have none you. of their talent. Though. I'm with you. It feels forced and unnecessary. Now, they are. I'll give them some credit. They're also trying to change and fix some other things, too. Uh, the, the in-game flopping penalty, which they're experimenting with in the summer league, I think this is great. I mean, you, I would say the biggest criticisms would be get the guys on the floor, stop with the load management, stop going to the monitor every five minutes, and stop with the flopping. If a flopping penalty is assessed, the opposing team will be rewarded a free throw in possession of the ball. A player who commits a flop will be assessed an unsportsmanlike technical, which does not count as a personal foul or lead to ejection. I mean, that 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 should something they should immediately come in with this upcoming season. How bad it is, and we've talked about, too, with the undercutting when a guy's driving into the basket. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this press. Certainly, they're rolling out the red carpet and bringing a lot of big names to this announcement, too, Saturday. Right, right. Well, this thing, I mean, clearly, the players have tried to manipulate the referees in the system for a long time yeah. with how they actually operate on the defensive side of the ball, and it makes the, the sport, honestly, a little unwatchable. And the fact that not only are they trying to get away with this, but then, like you said, how many times do we have to go to the replay? I mean, it's just, it, it, that, you know how we right. only have like, hey, you can challenge one time during the game. How about you get to go to the replay once and the team can decide? That's pretty much it. Because you can't, I mean, it's just, it's the, the stoppages are out of control in the sport. It, it really creates a lack of flow, interrupts the game overall in general, and it doesn't make it very fan-friendly, in my opinion. Uh, there's also this with the Summer League beginning, and I can't wait to watch Wembenyama play in his first game. Yes. But if you want to get the newsletter, the daily email sent to your inbox, all you have to do is go to vcin.com slash subscribe. Today, bam, you wake up, there's a nice little write-up by our very own Jonathan Von Tobel, who points out a couple of keys to betting the Summer League. One, you want to look for a second-year player who had a solid workload in his rookie season, and number two, high-end rookie talent that will play throughout the entire tournament. And JVT writes today in the newsletter, based on that criteria, he identified three teams to win the Summer League title, including the Trailblazers. He likes Shaden Sharp. He said he fills the role of the second-year player. And the Blazers had two first-round picks, Scoot Henderson and Chris Murray. And uh, he thinks like that's one of the teams that could be a threat because they're going to play all those young guys pretty much the entire time. And I'm excited to see what this guy looks like uh, to watch a game tomorrow. See 7-5 and... If the, what the expectations are already. Can he average 18 and 12, 18 and 10, something like that? Well, I'll put it this way. I, when, I don't know what the expectations I'm sure they're going to be high, but I can't wait to see what he looks like just out there. Well, he's just so such a, a freak with what he, athletically and being 7-5. Oh, sure. When, and he, when he was playing in some of those games against the G League competition out here in Las Vegas, which or Henderson, which is 20 minutes basically from where we're at right now, I considered going to one of those games, but uh, I passed last minute. Whatever. I watched him on TV. When you're watching a game with a seven foot five freak of nature against like G League competition, and he just absolutely pops off the TV and everything that he does, you're thinking how you can't even process it because he's so big and some of the shots that he's taking and how he operates on the floor and how he can dribble. 
to watch it actually live in person against yep. that competition was impressive. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he looks Huge. like in this in this league. Another shot in the arm for the league. So business is good. You saw record ratings for the Lakers series and great ratings early on in the playoffs. And then uh, we'll see we'll see what happens now with uh, Wembenyama mania as well too. And then, you know they've been they're doing a great job owning the summer as well. You know it was a small trade, but you'll see what happens with Lillard. But the the three team deal last night where Grant Williams gets traded to Dallas. Mavericks have a pretty good offseason. It feels like the Celtics are up to something. Why you come on up? Now you have all these picks you've accumulated. It feels like a, a big trade's coming, don't you uh, think? We're going to make a run here, late minute uh, run at game? Uh, they may. I don't know. I know he's been anti-Boston in the past, but well, that, they're going to have I mean, a big package to offer. And, uh, and no matter who they could go to or call, uh, you were down on it the other day, but still, if you can go with all these picks in uh, Brogdon and Time Lord just to start, that's pretty good. I mean, they, it feels they, like there's something up their they, sleep. It's they like might something's as, coming. Yeah, they might as well swing for the fences here. Yeah, why not? Right. And I'm with you. I'm not giving Jalen Brown all that money. No, I don't. I don't want the back end of that contract no. to look like sixty million dollars a year. Not for him. But again, look at all the money that was given out last weekend. So it's it's funny money. It's something that we can't even relate to. Nobody can. Yeah. Basically, and you know, Van Fleet's getting forty three million dollars a year. Halliburton gets two hundred sixty uh, million dollars. It's okay. Dylan Brooks got eighty. Yes, could be you and horse. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, win some, lose some is up next. Paulie will recap the betting action from last night. And Joe Burrow irritated a large faction of people. Find out why next here on Follow the Money. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media. 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Always follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSEN. Welcome in. It is Follow the Money here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Mitch Moss, Polly Howard. We are live today in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. We ended the previous hour with our uh, Bills preview talking about all their numbers that are currently available at DraftKings. The win total is 10.5. They are the second shot on the board to win the AFC behind the Chiefs, ahead of the Bengals. And Matt Perino covers the Bills for Syracuse.com, and he is uh, kind enough to join us here early on a Thursday morning. Uh, Matt, thanks for the time today. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm great. So much to talk about with this team, and part of our discussion was how much they could potentially miss Brian Dable as the offensive coordinator was the coach of the year after taking over for the Giants last year in season number one. Uh, the drop off there from him to Ken Dorsey working with Josh Allen. Is there anything to that at all? Uh, did, did Dable mean that much to Allen and the team or nothing really to see here? Oh, for sure. I mean, there not only is there all this data that shows that first year play callers struggle in the NFL, but Dable had kind of picked his pieces on that offense over the course of time guys that he leaned on in the offense uh, that thrived under his system and they they weren't a consistent running team under him but he had so many different like tricks and um, gadgets that he pulled out that I just don't know if this version of the Bills offense last year did all of that and I think it's one of the reasons why Isaiah McKenzie didn't really flourish with Ken Dorsey and then by the end of the season Stefan Diggs was really frustrated with the fact that I don't know if there was a plan B, C, D after things didn't go so well. Because you lean on the fact that you have Josh Allen, and I think Ken Dorsey was smart to do that. But over time, it almost felt like they were just trying to be too much down the field. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough attention paid in that short and intermediate area. And that's why I think they went out and drafted Dalton Kincaid in the first round, a guy that can operate in that space and add that Cole Beasley dimension, maybe in a different package back to this offense, which was so important while Dable was here. What's your level of concern with the Diggs drama? Um, enough to where I think it's a story. Okay. Um, I don't think that we're going to get to uh, training camp and into the season and have it be this big, looming, large, drama-filled situation, but there's a problem there. And I know that Josh Allen tried to you know, dump some water on it here in recent weeks, but it was a big enough problem that his coach came out and said that he was very concerned about where things were. And this was, you know, um, before that, we had asked Brandon Bean. We had asked Sean McDermott for months, dating back to the scouting combine. What's going on with Diggs? I mean, he went on this Super Bowl media tour. He was on the sidelines during the Bengals game screaming at Josh. Is everything good? And they were like, it's all good. Everything is okay. And then, lo and behold, we get a couple months later and it's not okay. And so I think it's, Listen, he pours a lot of his time, his energy, his focus, his leadership into being an elite wide receiver, and they haven't gotten it done. And if you think about it, too, in 2020, 
Their season ended in the AFC title game. They haven't been able to get back in the two years since. And they're supposed to be taking steps, getting better. So I think that's probably the mm-hmm. biggest part of this is like, what are you doing as an organization to take that next step? And Josh Allen came out and said, organizationally, we have to communicate better. And they just didn't do a good enough job of that this offseason. They said now that it's all clear and we'll see what things look like in training camp. But so- something I'm definitely monitoring. Why do you love the over 10 and a half wins? Because Sean McDermott, you could say anything you want about him, uh, especially in the playoffs. And some of the criticism is warranted. I, I've applied some of it. Um, you know, 13 seconds is going to be uh, a stain on his mm-hmm. resume for years. But in the regular season, he finds a way, this one week at a time mentality that he pushes on his team, they find a way to win. I mean, 11 wins, 12 wins, 13 wins. The last three seasons, they've gone over that 11-win mark, and I know it's a much tougher division, and I know it's a much tougher conference, but he is so good at compartmentalizing things. And I also think this roster is a lot better. I mean, we just did a a podcast episode where I I linked up with a couple um, you know, radio hosts to go over and do a snake draft of the AFC East. And we did 64 players, and we wanted to see, all right, how many players from each AFC East team would end up getting drafted in this in this draft. And the Bills ended up with the most, 19 uh, players compared to 17 for the Dolphins and 12 each, I believe, for uh, the Dol- uh, the Jets and the Patriots. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I follow the money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Our guest is Matt Perino, who covers the Buffalo Bills for Syracuse.com. So it sounds to me then like you're in line with their power rating and their, like their power rating when it comes to betting has been astronomical over the last couple of years. I asked the question like last hour, how many teams would actually go to Kansas city and be favored to win the game? Like that's it. It's the bills. That's the list over the last couple of years. And not only were they like power rated to win that game, they were favored. They also actually won and beat KC and they match up pretty well against that team. However, they are the second shortest team on the odds board to win the AFC that I disagree with. I think the Bengals are actually better than the bills. And I think the Bengals match up really well with Buffalo. Where do you fall in line with that? Well, I think it's a league it's a league of adjustments, right? So last year in four and a half quarters, the Bengals absolutely dominated the Bills, right? Like we saw that. I think that you're going to see a completely different approach to defending that team. Sean McDermott takes over the defense. They're likely going to be a lot more aggressive. I think they got a little bit more punch as a pass rushing unit. And what was the thing that derailed Joe Burrow last season? The pass rush. The, mm-hmm. the Chiefs got to him five times in the AFC title game. The Bills couldn't even sniff him yep. Uh, yep. in that in that divisional round. They go out and they add Leonard Floyd, a guy who is getting older, but I think in the right situation, which is where he's lining up here, he is going to add a dimension that allows them to you know pair him with Greg Rousseau early in the season, hope that Von Miller gets back for later in that push and be a little bit closer to the guy that he was towards the ends of the season. Now all of a sudden, they don't have to rely on some of these draft picks on the edge over the last couple of years that just haven't panned out. And now you hope Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, one of those guys takes a step to be part of the rotation. Huge year for Ed Oliver. They just paid him. He's got to be that guy in the middle. And oh, don't forget Daquan Jones, who was one of their pound for pound best players last year. If we're talking about production versus value, what they paid him, he was really good. He didn't play against the Bengals last year. He had a calf in. Mm-hmm. Overall, what do you make of the two other teams in that division? And I say that because the Patriots are picked to finish fourth here, and that's not a shot at them because their their defense, I think, is going to be really good again this year. 
but the two teams expected to be better, the Dolphins and the Jets. Like, are you buying into the Dolphins, or do you have too many questions about Tua, and where are you at with this uh, you know, 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers now being the quarterback of the Jets? I'm all bought in on the Dolphins. They're, they're a legit team. Uh, they have weapons on both sides of the ball. I think one of the most underrated additions of the offseasons in the NFL is Vic Fangio, because if they can all of a sudden flip things and become even a top 15 defense with the way that they're able to score, they're going to be a problem in this league. But, you know, there's our, there's little things baked in, I mean, to every type of situation. And it's like you mentioned it too. Can he stay healthy? Um, what's going to happen if Tyreek Hill, who's been super fast and super healthy over the last couple of years, struggles to maintain both of those things. Guys don't get faster as they get older. And I know Tyreek Hill still winning, you know, race competitions and everything like that. But that's something I'm I'm kind of always looking out for. There's a reason the Kansas City Chiefs were willing to move on from that situation. And so I, I'm really all eyes on Tyreek Hill. But that defense has a chance to be oh so good. I'm a big Jalen Phillips believer in New York. I don't know. I think it's going to take some time for that offense to figure things out. They're really great on defense. And I think New England's going to be the pest of the division. The Bills are really good, though, to my earlier point in the regular season. I think that there is a chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. The national narrative is this isn't the Bills division anymore. And that's going to be plastered in Sean McDermott's locker room all year long. Nobody believes in us. Everything is, you know, the sky is falling. And I think week in and week out, you're going to see them, you know, kind of have to answer that bell. And they've done a good job of that. Guys, listen, they won eight games in a row last year despite losing Von Miller at Thanksgiving, the whole DeMar Hamlin situation. I mean, they probably should have lost against Miami in the first round. They found a way to you know, eat, eat, eat by in that one. They're a really well-coached team. They have a lot of talent. I think they've re-upped things a little bit here in, uh, in year, what is it, four now with Diggs and Buffalo. Yep, yep. Hey, Matt, we have about 90 seconds left here. Does Hamlin play this year? Is he going to get on the field at least in, in one game? I don't know. I, I I think if you would have asked me this before minicamp, I would have said I'm really hesitant to go uh, all in on that kind of take. But everything I've seen, uh, I've seen from him over the course of the spring and seeing him out practicing, you know, I, I know they're not in pads and I know, you know, nobody's allowed to hit, but he was out there running around like uh, he had a couple interceptions, was, you know, you know, hit hitting a couple guys, you know, even had a little injury, lower body injury where he came off and came back on. Mm. I think we're on the path to that guys. Like I, I, if we get to training camp and he's out there day one, when they put the pads on and, and participating in team drills, I won't be surprised at this point, but I still just wonder like when we get to the preseason games, if there's going to be any type of mental hurdles to get all over. But I also think the guy, the person, the mental strength of him, the way that off the field, like all the things that are on his plate, you know, he's basically toured the the world this offseason. And, you know, my president, he's a really, really special individual. So I'm never going to say never with this guy. Okay. I think that's totally fair. You can follow Matt on Twitter. He's at Matt Perino and uh, does a great job for Syracuse.com covering the Buffalo Bills. Thanks so much today for the insight today, Matt. We appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Yeah, be good. A lot good of good job. points on my, about McDermott. I mean, yeah. overall, the regular season can be different than the playoffs, right? And one of the reasons why he said that he loves them to win at least 11 games this year and go over their win total. But like we've been talking about, though, for two weeks, the entire AFC can't be good, though. That's exactly I mean, right. They win 10, 11 games. Yeah, I mean, what are we going to have? Uh, 11 teams yeah. win 10 games? That can't happen. 
So, all right, let's follow the money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Up next, we'll get into a little uh, more Major League Baseball. Are we sure that this surprising team is going to fade? One might not think so based on this. I'll give you those details here on Follow the Money. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Get a, d- a daily email recapping all the best bets, every host and guest. Unlimited access to the VEASAN.com slash picks page. Sort by sport, matchup, date, and more. Check the leaderboard to see betting records, ROI, and who has a hot hand. Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, 24-7 video access. Sign up now, $19 vcin.com slash subscribe. All right, we were originally going to talk uh, UFC 290 here with Jordan Sherwood, who does a great podcast, the unnamed MMA podcast, uh, Mix Up in Time. I, I, I can't wait to get his, uh, if there's a bet to make on Robbie Lawler making his uh, last walk ever to the Octagon on Saturday. On the take, prelims. Sorry. Uh, can you believe that? Yeah. So he's a legend in this sport. Every fight um, is a complete bloodbath. So what's the way to bet it? Like, do you want to take him? He's more than two to one to win this fight. So is there He's any chance that he goes by, out like that? By knockout, right? Yeah. I just so think that, was, that uh, you got you got to be watching that fight on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, I reached out to uh, my brother who uh, loves the sport. MMA, it's his favorite sport on, on the planet. And I was asking him about this fight. He actually said that the fight that he had, now I'm blanking on it, because uh, it's they're going to put the fight that he had in the Hall of Fame this weekend uh, against uh, McDonald. The fight that he had against McDonald is still my brother's favorite fight in the history of the UFC, and he watches pretty much every single card. The guy, does, he never disappoints. He always delivers. So what did you notice in the uh, NFL uh, about some teams last year who, All right. you know, what's the angle here? Bad to good. About one in four teams who win five games or fewer post a winning record the following year. Two years ago, the Bengals and Eagles pulled it off. Last year, three teams did it. Giants, Lions, and Jags. That's pretty tough to do. I know it is. To go from five or fewer wins to having a winning record, and it happened three times last year alone? But it keeps happening. And your candidates this year. Okay. Houston, the Colts, Denver, Chicago, the Rams, and the Cardinals. One of them is going to have a winning record. Maybe two. But again, you saw it three times last year and two years the prior year, and it just, you go back in history, one in four teams every year will win five games or fewer, come back with a winning record, and, and some a lot of them make the playoffs. I know Denver and Chicago will be very popular there. I can't get there with the Rams. I'm with you. Uh, can Stafford stay healthy and just... How that roster looks, and now you see how way they down they are in the pecking order with the win total. Arizona's a total rebuild and tanking. Um, boy, that's interesting with the Colts. If the Colts could pull it off, the big question: what the offensive line's going to look like, and when do they put Richardson yep. in, and what does Richardson look like? But certainly, Denver and Chicago very popular. But that's a big ass though for the still for the Bears to go nine and eight. I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, but based on their win total and how people are in love with this team on the season. Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting them to win at least eight games. I mean, how their win total is seven and a half at pretty much every book. Yeah. Um, I asked this question last night on Twitter because Circa, 
where we broadcast from every single day, they put out 512 different exactas, mm-hmm. championship exactas in the NFL. Um, and I asked the question, what is your most realistic long shot on Twitter? And a lot of good responses. And it's actually kind of funny because there was one brought up at 425 to one that I was looking at as the longest shot that I could say, ah, yeah, I'm not going to be stunned if that happens. It's Denver over Dallas. The Broncos to beat the Cowboys in the Super Bowl is 425 to one. All right. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. that's, are you going to fall off your couch if that were to happen? Yes, I would. Why? Yeah. That seems unlikely. Well, it's 425 but, uh, yeah, to one, I so know, it is but unlikely, that, but... Yes, so I would, that's why I would fall off my couch. Yeah, but it's like... Plus all the issues the Cowboys have had since Jimmy left out. I actually think that uh, I might key in the Cowboys to some of these bets, because basically it's the NFC, it's the Eagles and the 49ers at the very top, and the Cowboys are probably the third best power-rated team, third highest power-rated team. Yeah. So why not key some teams in from the AFC and bet them all against the Cowboys? In that scenario, where you could bet Denver over Dallas, you could bet Jacksonville over Dallas, you could bet Baltimore over Dallas. I think some people might do that with a team like Seattle. Just take like wow. six bets and have them all beat Seattle in the Super Bowl. Well, in the stacked AFC, I mean, it's hard to envision it won't be it won't be Kansas City, Cincinnati, or Buffalo either. Um, but what? Let me the see. AFC here. is so strong. Okay, I'm looking right now for a team like Cincinnati to beat uh, Dallas. Well, my pick, Baltimore over yeah. Dallas is 155 to one. That's yeah. What was what? your pick again? Cincy Niners or Cincy uh, Eagles? Cincy Eagles. You went with? I okay, did. mine was Cincy Niners, and that was like 75 to one. Yeah, Cincy. Exactly. So okay, so Cincy over Dallas is 65 to one. That's still. I mean, hell, we talk about you know we bet golf every single week. Would you take yeah. a 65 to one shot to win a tournament? Of course you would. But there are some you like you if you wanted to key in Miami. Because the ceiling for Miami, if everything goes yeah. right and Tua stays healthy, I don't know, maybe the ceiling would be to, to be in the Super Bowl. That I could see. Miami, yes. Hard to get there with Denver, though. Um, uh, I understand. Yeah, but, uh, it's, yeah. Uh, and I agree with our last guest, too, Matt, about how significant this uh, acquisition of Fangio is. And I if, actually, and if Tua stays healthy, watch out. Yeah, I think that if you're coming out to Las Vegas to sign up for some of these uh, contests, you need to put some of these in your por- portfolio. I mean, we're not talking about big bets here. You don't have to make... And by the way, they pointed out, Jeff Benson on Twitter, who works here at Circa, he, he said, we'll take to win at least 100000 So no matter what number you're going to look yeah, at, yeah. And the, but it doesn't take a lot of, of money to take a 425 to one shot and win $100,000 on that. You know? Um, I, maybe, maybe people will want to do this and key in on the Jets. When, I think, yeah, when does Kansas City fall off? And by fall, I mean even not even get a one or a two seed. That's the other thing. I mean, the Super Bowl's been going through Kansas City and hosting these damn... Now, it hasn't worked out every year, but the, the big edge, and they become like the Patriots, where Brady and Belichick were in the game every single year. And here it's Mahomes. He's hosting the thing every year. I know. Well, here's, here's the deal and how this is shaping up to work for the Chiefs. Much like the Patriots, when it was Brady and Belichick, that division, those teams could not... They couldn't hit their ass... I mean, with either hand, right? They couldn't figure out what they were trying to do yeah. any year. So for 20 years, not only was it Brady and Belichick, All right. but those teams were completely inept. Yeah. And uh, they were like, they should have been you know, relegated the way it felt. Now, all of a sudden, Brady leaves, Patriots come back, and all these teams are good. In the AFC West, okay, the Chiefs have been 
the dominant team in the NFL for five years with Mahomes and, and Andy Reid, and we're expecting teams like the Chargers and the Broncos to be good, but they're not, they're not living up to their end of the bargain here. So you would expect, you know, Chargers were a playoff team, but they completely blew that last year. They're not living up to their potential with uh, Justin uh, Herbert. And the other one is if, you know, well, Peyton, you give him the benefit of the doubt, but what if he can't turn it around right away with Russ? So it's not going to happen this year. The Chiefs, unless, unless Mahomes still, gets hurt. Yeah, I still think the Chargers will have a better record than Denver. Um, but I am surprised how many people are split on the Jets. To me, other than the offensive line, I don't. I guess you could have concerns about hacking with play calling because he's been so bad in his stops, but the love affair with Rodgers and why he likes the guy so much. But we'll do the Jets tomorrow. But a lot of people are split on the Jets. Oh, give me the under. They're not making the playoffs or they'll you know. I just think when you go from the worst quarterback in the league to a Hall of Famer, and certainly, yes, he's 40 coming up, as you mentioned, but he still had 26 touchdowns last year and 3,600 yards. Yeah. And now you get Wilson, you bring in Lazard, you get Hall back. If the offensive line hangs in there, you have a top-five defense. I, I just think the Jets are going to be a playoff team and a team you wouldn't want to see in January. Well, as do I. Plus, the the number one guy in terms of collecting the bulletin board material Filing it away and having the chip on his shoulder with this guy and also something to prove after people still saying, eh, okay, Green Bay wanted you out. Well, if anybody in the league it's that would guy. be good at doing that, it would be it's that guy. It, no doubt him. Yeah. So, but I, yeah, a lot to like in the AFC. That's right. Clearly. I mean, there are, again, like last well, year, you could make the case for like 13 teams to make the playoffs. I love the Bengals. So do you. But it's, the Ravens can't win that division? Of course they can. With Jackson and the new toys they brought in, you have to love Monken as the OC now? I mean, that's... I'll give you another one. What if Watson goes back to the guy he was yeah. a couple years ago when he was absolutely a top five quarterback in the league? The year that they won four games, remember, it was not on. J.J. Watt apologized to him going off the field in one of their losses. He's like, hey, dude, I'm so sorry. Our defense is terrible. We let you down. You had a, a pro, one of your prime years, and we wasted it. So if Watson could somehow get back to that guy, the Browns can't be a player in the AFC. Of course they could. And it, Nobody's talking about the Steelers, right? No. Because that division's so good. But Tomlin never loses a ton of games, and Pickett is in his second year. He could make a leap. You want a key in Jacksonville? Scenario they could win 12 or 13 games? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not opposed to that at all. I'm sure those are, those are uh, big exactus. Like, you could you could bet it either way that you would want, right? Yeah. Jacksonville over the Eagles, over the 49ers, over the Cowboys, over the Lions, or vice versa. What is there? I mean, under, in that scenario, Paul, we're talking about home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. The more I think about it, don't you think the Chiefs win by double digits to start the season? Oh, I would. Uh, the bright lights for the, the Lions, Lions, all the hype, the old hat for the Chiefs, that the home team usually opens strong with that game to start the season. Golf and the offense is very good, but they got to keep up with the homes. It could be one of those things where yeah. the Detroit defense they, it doesn't, they don't know what hit them to begin the game. Totally see that. Uh, we'll recap last night's betting action with win some, lose some coming up here and follow the money. It's Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. 
In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Always follow the money. money. That's what I always say. Always follow the money. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. It's good to have you on board here on Follow the Money here early on a Thursday, live in Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. Uh, This is the perfect time of year to have our next guest in studio. Uh, I've been looking forward to this now for a couple of months. Del Gaudio is his name. He was the GM for Sportsline New Jersey from 1987 to 2013. People had to call in to get scores uh, way back in the day. Think about this again for the younger uh, demo watching or listening to the show today. No internet. The only thing eventually that came along was like the bottom line and then 28 and 58 past the hour you had to be in front of the TV to look at the scores. It was a joke. I'd have to watch SportsCenter at 7 o'clock in the morning before going to high school because that was the only 30-minute block that they would play SportsCenter on during the day to find out what happened the night before on the West Coast. And anyway, the stories here are going to be fascinating. Dell, it's great to meet you. Thanks for uh, popping in today. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm not Mike Palm. (laughs) <laughs> Not my palm. No, it's it's his spot. So I took his spot this week. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so tell us first of all. Again, you got involved. You took over as a GM in 1987. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the service in general, what it was like, and uh, how you got involved. Well, I went to Seton Hall, and uh, I spent three years there. And after three years, I really didn't like college, so I went out and got a job, and I hated the job. So to give a plug out to somebody, I decided to take my unemployment money and pay for the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And uh, 16 weeks later, I was working on a small FM radio station out in Blairstown, New Jersey, where I um, got a job working, you know, weekends, $8 an hour, whatever. Somebody said, one of my teachers, Henry Robinson, said, 
in Newark, which I lived in North Arlington, which is right down the road. He said, why don't you try sports? I know I'm a big sports fan to begin with. And so I went for my interview. The reason I got hired at sports line was I was a very big harness racing fan. So I worked uh, the Meadowlands racing shift. So it was 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And we would do racing results from 8 to midnight because I was really good at it. And my boss says to me, well, we're going to hire you part time. And then one week later, I had 60 hours. And then eventually I became GM after like a year or so. So it was really a surreal place because it was in Newark, New Jersey. It was in a building that had no cable. So I had a little TV with a knob and I would watch Frank Messer and Bill White and Phil Rizzuto do the Yankee games and uh, uh, Kiner do the Met games and Harry Callis do the Philly games. We had none. But eventually we actually started with an actual ticker. It would tick right out. We would write down the Vegas rotation on scores and odds, okay. and we would write out the scores. So bottom of the first, you'd get the score. Who hit, you know, Mickey Charles from Sports Sticker would give us that. Um, eventually, we wound up with a program that gave us the scores in boxes on like a real old computer, like with a floppy disk. And then we would write down, you know, first box would be game one in rotation. So it was always rotation, top of the schedule to the bottom of right. the schedule. Calls were 13 cents, which doesn't kill anybody, but it had to be billed to Verizon only. So it had to be a landline. Now, obviously, there were no cell phones. There were no internet. So 13 we, cents, no, no. What if I'm on hold there? Or do I have to it's go? a recording. So okay. we record the program. So here's how we record it. Okay. We picked up the phone. We, we waited for a beep, and then we did our 57 okay, if we couldn't get the scores in 57 seconds, we were out. Oh. So that was very important. So that's how I started. And there was weather reports that were done every hour. There was Dial-A-Santa. There was um, Lottery. There was Sports Extra, which is overflow scores. And then the odds. You know, we would always kick the odds. You got the odds up here. All right, 976-7575 for today's odds. We would run the odds. So you don't have to go get the national that's the paper right. I used to buy in the, in the 90s. Sure. Um, and the interesting part about it was it really became, for me, I quit my job on radio immediately because who's going to pay me? I was getting $10 an hour at 60 hours a week, $600 in the late 80s, and I was just a kid. I was like 23 years old. So I wound up uh, doing that and becoming GM, and then eventually we moved out of Newark and we moved into a really cool facility in Lodi. Okay. So some of the stories again, and some of the, because it takes 13 cents every single time that you would call. Yes. So flat fee. People have been gambling for a long, long time. So they had no chance to get scores other than something like this, right? So Correct. the amount of times they would probably just hit like, oh my God, I got to call again. Any update on the score? So this is one example. On Twitter, we're at VSIN Live at Mitch Moss Radio at Paulie Howard. This is from uh, Spicy Burns. In 1993, as a 16 year old, quote, bookie, I racked up a $1,200 bill on a cell phone that looked like and weighed enough to be a brick. My dad remembers little at 81, but he remembers that phone bill. Tell <laughs> Dell thanks for a lifelong story. But the <laughs> amount of people who, had, who did this and the amount of stories, like $1,200 was probably commonplace or that was maybe even light to how big some of these phone bills were. Well, I didn't own the company, so I really didn't see everything until I later in the 90s where I was actually part of the, the, the process. 
Um, we had two owners. One owner had um, another business downstairs, which was things I could talk about forever, like a Donnelly directory talking yellow pages. We would do previews for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Dolphins. Uh, we would do all the stuff that was involved. We did news. Newsday hired us to do their weathers because we were the only company that was 24 hours. New York Sports Phone, which is probably more known, okay, was not was only sports, like Bob Papa and Don LaGreca and those kind of guys did those. Those guys who worked there wound up going on to bigger and better things. Our group of Animal House guys was they were the sports fans but i always say this i was i grew up on mike and the mad dog okay sports radio one to six every day watch it i wouldn't have hired chris russo on sports line because he can't enunciate you wouldn't be able to hear you know bottom of the six reds two blah 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 we would do whatever so we had a really interesting group of guys we had guys who gambled and then we had guys who didn't gamble so when I would keep track of all the scores and how they were doing, were you on time? Very important to be on time. You know, come back at 10, you're back at 10 after, you better be back. Those callers don't want to spend 13 cents and get an old recording. So um, I had a guy. So the interesting part. Oh, so of they that, knew when, like, the updates were going to come in? Yes, I would say, uh, I would say, they'll go to you for sports. I'm back in 10 after the hour. Then that would be the next update. Then 20 after. Then the bottom. So it would rotate okay. the whole year. Uh, quickly. Uh, so... You're almost, you're the only game in town. Now, gamblers knew about you, but I'm talking about how difficult it was for someone just to get a score, period. We talked about on the show Tuesday, if you were watching a game live, they wouldn't put time and no. score up on a game. No. So then wh wh when was when was CNN headline news? When would that come about? And also what you're competing against when the, the you said the bottom line was 1995? 1995 is when ESPN put it up. Not like you said, you know, top and bottom where they, yeah. you know, would go up and you would see the scores. So from like 1987 to about 1992, then we started first getting a little bit of a dent because then the people who racked up all these bills, they wouldn't, you know, they, oh, I'll just go to CNN. I'll just watch that. Yes. So um, we were the only game in town. You know, we paid $500 a month for sports ticker and and that's how we got our scores. Uh, we were a media outlet. I mean, we may be, I always call ourselves the lower end of the media outlet, you know, the broadcasters. But I had a giant press pass. I covered the NFL draft. I sat in, in the NFL draft with Chris Fowler, who was amazingly nice to me. Um, we had jet season tickets. We had net courtside. I was there for the Nets Lakers final game four when the Lakers swept the Nets. Mm -hmm. um, so... Our company made money. Besides sports, the lottery was the king of, we were called Sundial Productions. That got the most calls because the number was printed on the ticket. Oh, my God. So every single person who had a lottery ticket in the state of New Jersey looking for those numbers, and what, they were not announced anywhere? No. So what, they would look what, and they, okay. Yeah, so we had a direct communication i would imagine that verizon got a kickback from the lottery commission um we were the only outlet that was allowed to broadcast the numbers so you had you had the rights to the lottery yeah the lottery oh, results which is a gold mine <laughs> yeah you're talking millions of calls yeah you know uh, wow from every landline you can think of you know jersey's a big place especially northeastern new jersey where it's you know i'm just outside i mean i grew up in the sopranos area 
You know, huh? Uncle June's house is down the street from is me. It? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Satriali's is yeah. next town over. I All work. Right. And, you know, so I'm an Italian, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, Mr. Lombardi. Mm-hmm. You know, he's from Jersey. I think he's from Jersey or he lives in mm-hmm. Jersey. But that's who I, you know, I, but the interesting thing was it was a dream job because how you guys love, I know, I know both of you. So I feel like I know both of you. you some days you can't wait to come in. Uh-huh. I know it is. When something happens the night before, and I would say, oh, my God, I'm going to get to come in. At that age, too. Oh, yeah, I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, and, and, like, I was thrown into broadcasting yeah. by doing 16 weeks at Connecticut school. So uh-huh. I learned my craft. And so the weird part about it is I'd come in on a, I don't know, let's say a March Madness Thursday. I work, midnight, I work noon to midnight and went by like that. Just like that, sure. Because he was watching games. Who yeah. who pays you to watch games? That's right, right, right. And then I'll and you know when we come back from a break. You know I'll tell you all the story about the live program that was cuckoo in the nineties. Okay, so we're going to continue here. Uh, Del Gaudio is in studio, GM for Sportsline New Jersey uh, from nineteen eighty seven to two thousand thirteen. I want to ask about like I want to expand on that gambling in the office what that was like with everybody who worked there then, and how did internet and cell phones eventually affect the business and what you guys were doing. We'll continue here on Follow the Money. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.